You are listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. We want to help demystify marketing to reduce risk, drive more and better opportunities and grow your business. Are you ready to master marketing? So let's welcome my co-host, mentor and friend. Uh, Bill, how's the smelt running up there, eh? <laughs> I, today we're it's it's running great. We've got major rainstorms, so it's been oh it's yeah been yeah. Wonderful. So, so so I'm gonna have to get out halfway through this podcast and go grab some for us if you want. Yeah, oh, and you can fry them right there on the dock. You you just eat them uh, with their heads and everything. Uh, these little smelt fish, you know. I've uh, I've done it. I've been there. I've seen it. Uh, it's and all about. It's all about that value perception thing that you were it's, talking about, right? There's a lot of papst going on. Uh, you know, no, I was amazed by that, though. They have little deep fryers out on the dock. I don't remember how they power them. It must be uh, natural gas or something. And they have the yeah. oil ready, and they pull these little fish called sm smelt right out of the Lake Michigan, right into the pot. They're drunker than hell, and there's like 100 <laughs> people on the dock doing this. Not the And they're smelt frying them. No, the smelt aren't drunk. Uh, they could be. It's, it's unknown, but... Yeah. Uh, they eat them right there. It's disturbing. Um, but today we're talking about price, specifically how to double it. If that is, you know, imagine that. Most people seeing this are going to be like, you're nuts. Uh, and uh, they might be right. But we've done this over and over again for clients. And, and what we're really talking about is how how the market perceives your value, the perception of value. And what's funny to me, we were just talking about how hard it is to define the word value and I think it's because there isn't really a definition. There's no objective, you know, definition of it. Well, I, I still think it's the, the customers and the marketplace, like you talked about, Pete. The, the customers in the marketplace are going to define the value perception. They have to because they're the ones that decide, you know, when I'm paying for something, if I'm perceiving that I'm getting a good deal, or that I'm getting more than I pay for, then my value perception is is running really, really high. And so I just I don't think that companies, in their in their own uh, sake, can set that that value. You know, they, I mean, they could try, but I think they need the customers in the marketplace to be involved in that somehow. Well, you know, I think I think that what it really I think it means that it's so individualized how value is perceived. Yes. Like uh, one of the things I think about is, is you know, I've seen this used, uh, and I don't, I don't remember the book, but it was talking about this very idea. And it talks about Bic pens, those little plastic pens that are like 13 cents. Actually, it, someone looked that up right before the program to see what they are going for these days. Uh, uh -oh. So and then there's these Mount Blanc pens, Mount mm -hmm. Blanc, right? Uh, and that could be 650 bucks uh, if it's not the jewel encrusted one but think about this so that's a 5000 x increase in price for an, something that does exactly the same thing you know now you might say well this one's smoother or this one has a nicer case is it 5000 x nicer or is there something going on here right mm -hmm. okay yeah. and that's the classic premium price strategy where the price itself enhances the value <laughs> yeah. the perception of value right um wouldn't it be fun wouldn't it be fun to like know what the raw costs are of the big versus the mount block so that you could just see the you know the exponential increase for the for the second one you know that'd be fun well the costs are de definitely going to be higher i mean i you know yeah. in an ideal world you're 
your costs are objective. There's always going to be objective yeah. costs, but the val the perception of value is actually subjective. And so, yeah. you know, I think the pen analogy illustrates that it's how people perceive your offering brand, whatever you want to call it. I say offering. Yeah. Yeah. It it dictates almost directly how much they'll pay. Okay. I mean, do we agree on that? Yeah, so definitely. if that's true and value is individualized in a million, myriad, gazillion different ways of how people perceive value according to their own, you know, somebody who just got hit by a car yeah. and a guy runs up and he's like, I'm a doctor, a trauma surgeon. Can I help? The guy <laughs> laying on the ground bleeding is not going to be like, well, uh, how much, you know? Yeah. But if the same guy didn't get hit by a car and he's sitting in the cafe and the guy runs up and says, I'm a doctor, he's going to be like trying to eat, you know. Um, so yeah. I think it, it can vary even from moment to moment. Place, location has a big impact, right? How much will you pay for a bottle of water at the grocery store versus the ball game versus yeah. Coachella? I think it's versus up to 75 bucks a bottle at Coachella now. That's what wow. I'm just hearing, but I could be. I could be wrong. So think about all those things. So I'm going somewhere with this. Good. <laughs> so there can't be any correct price. There can't be any, if perception directly drives, you know, perception of value directly drives pricing, there's no right price. So think about companies that are like, they believe they have to track closely or below, especially the ones that really believe they have to be less than competitors. Like that's their whole strategy is to be cheaper. The problem yeah. is it's like a race to the bottom. And once you're yeah. in that race, you know, I it it's I think it's a sign you don't really understand how to enhance and this is the sentence that it sounds complicated, enhance the yeah. value uh, you know, the perception of value to customers. You you probably don't know how to do it. So I'd like to talk about how to do it. You know, part of that that race to the bottom as you say, you know, some of some of that I I mean that's such a really good point, but some of that is someone just being naive. But the other thing that could be with that is, depends on where the the organization or the product or service that they're selling is on the life cycle too. So like if it's in a really mature market, well, then you understand when they're throwing it away for hardly any price just to, you know, just to get rid of it. But if you're in right. the, the beginning stage or the second stage or, you know, like you're the, kind of silly. The emerging uh, yes. part of the life cycle or the growth life cycle, again, I mean, I honestly don't even know how many variables, right? There's so many yeah. of them. But yeah. there's some things that I think every business can do once they yeah. get this. Well, the other funny thing is, like, how hard is it to 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 state the the, the definition of value? It's like right. I was thinking about that this morning, and, it, and I realized uh, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's because I think it's well, not uniform, but it's basically yeah. the value would be somebody sees – it's they feel it's a better solution or they yeah. they uh, perceive that it's going to to um, deliver some, you know, make them happy. I mean, it, it values funny right. because it can be something as simple as I laughed at it. Right. That's providing value, because one of the things that I'm always saying is try to provide value at every touch Yeah. in when you're in your sales cycle, in your customer's life cycle like every time they talk to you they get some value from it people are like well how on earth are we going to do that yeah i'll give you i'll give you an example Let's, lots of ways yeah go ahead 
I had, I had, uh, as you know, I had some major back surgery, uh, actually coming up on a year right now. And, you know, and, and it's really interesting because I think I had a really, really good qualified back surgeon. I mean, he was a neurosurgeon. He was, he was spectacular, but I have to tell you that his two PAs made all the difference in the world because every time I came, they sat me down, they were able to explain things. They answered questions. I would call on the phone. They would take my, I mean, they just went way above and beyond. And I also was looking at another surgeon at the time. And it's like, it was almost like, you know, just get in here and get this done. And that's what we're going to do versus this other one that truly went above and beyond. And, uh, you know, I mean, in, in the pain level, I mean, I was out of the hospital within a day and they did, you know, wow. fusion and laminectomy and they, they did a lot of great stuff, but it's it's that sometimes it's the staff is what I'm saying, you know. So here's the, so that's an example I think, and I, we were I was trying to I was mentioning before the podcast that there's this concept I have trouble articulating, and that kind of relates to it where the first place where they they're missing such a they're so wrapped up in their own little world they're missing a really fundamental piece of how the patient values being comforted right. and comfortable and is frightened and it's scary and by the way it's super expensive why because there isn't relatively that many people who can uh, fix your spine that's um, right you know i i went down to the amco down here they don't have a spine guy there so i don't know <laughs> yeah. must be tough but but so they're missing like just such a it's right in front of their face isn't it and and that's, so that's yeah and so as usual, you know, mea culpa, you know, we do this too. I mean, we're, we're, we're in this business of doing, helping companies figure this out. And then we also do it ourselves because we're human. You know, yeah. I swear if I wash my car, it drives better. I, I think it does. I think it does. <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? Especially your car. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, cause that's what everybody's staring at it, pointing at it. Going, oh. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Well, they hear me coming like six blocks away too, which is I can't yeah. sneak up on anyone. It's it's terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the other I, uh, speaking of cars, so gasoline, right? Like things drive pricing that have nothing to, really to do. Like so, so we're talking about. So it's it's generally accepted when there's less supply, there's more demand. So the price will go up because there's more demand. Now, co if costs stay the same. There's no magical mechanism, you know, that makes the price automatically go up. Right, it's a human right. being thing. Like you're willing to pay more for something if you can't, if you think it's scarce. And I and I would put McLarens up there. Yeah. I want yeah. one, but they're kind of scarce. Yeah. A little pricey. Uh, actually, I read that. Uh, I think it's the one of the McLarens. It's about two hundred and eighty thousand a year for maintenance. Oh wow! Cost of ownership. Jeez. See, I have three you know, of those. But, but you're you're right uh, with regard to you know being scarce or you know I, I guess another way to look at that is if your product or service or you are in demand, it's like of course there's got to be value there too. So I think that that's uh, that's really you know it's so important. What are things that you know? So I think. I think that that hopefully we've established this idea. So, I'm you know I'm speaking to all the companies out there that's that you say, hey, double our price. My God, this guy's nuts. Doesn't know a thing about our business. Or no, what no, what they're about? thinking. These no, freaking consultants. Think. He, they they're know. not thinking that. They're thinking if he can do that, 
then that guy is really valuable. Well, <laughs> the thing is, we can. It's yeah. it's difficult. It takes time. You have to do yeah. a lot of things. A lot of times, clients aren't willing to do the things. Uh, right. uh, great. Another example. The world of professional graphic design, corporate communications, graphic mm -hmm. design, visual aesthetic. Over the last 20 years or so, the, the value of that, what you can charge for that service, has just dropped out of the bottom of the market. Yeah. Well, part of it is everybody and their brother now with technology can make some sort of thing. Now, is it good? Is it not? We're getting into a subjective area. Most people really don't understand this stuff, so they buy it. It's it's all about the price, all about the price, yeah. right? Go to Fiverr, get that website done for 25 bucks. Um, yeah. Now, it's the funniest part about that is is it ex is aesthetics production value directly impact the perception of value. So um, if, if you get two pieces of junk mail in the mail and one's from AT&T and yeah. one's from Joe's Taxidermy, right? They're both paper with ink on them. You can tell which one is like a real company, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or Joe's uh, meat out of the back of my truck company. You know, you, you can tell you don't have to be super media savvy. And that's what production value is about. Now, you don't have to go nuts either, but looking sharp, clean, professional, the right language. Right. Instead of saying quotes, say estimate, uh, you know, don't quote everything. If you're in a quoting culture or quoting industry. Exactly. They think they can't, you know, well, we have to do it because that's the way it works. Yeah. Do they have and to we've do it? All been yeah, we've all been subject to yeah. that, too, where somebody, you know, oh, can you give us a proposal? Or can you do that? And then you go through all this work and then, you know, you find out they had, you know, 15 other $7. people. That they were, it's like, yeah, it's like ridiculous. So <laughs> they had 15 other people and their budget was $7. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, here's but the I thing. Think, so it's that's within your power, though, right? I mean, right. you can create scarcity on your own by yeah. basically saying no. Yes. So if you're in a service business, we work primarily with B2B service companies. We, we work with others, too, but that's our primary thing. Um, saying no can actually increase the value uh, of how you're perceived. Exactly. And you know, I think I think a couple of things like I'd mentioned before is really important. And I think some of the viewers and then maybe we can get into some examples of how you can how you can do this, because I think there's lots of examples. But in my opinion, in my opinion, one, like we talked about early on, I think the customer in the marketplace kind of helps to find that value. So if you're not out there finding out what they want or what's important to them, and then Pete, you said this earlier, it's very personalized. So it's like, even though somebody might find something that's unique that you offer, maybe another customer finds something out. I mean, so you better, you better find out what those things are. And then another thing that I help our clients with, which I think is really important is, do you understand that customer journey? You know, like what are they going through the various steps? And then along those ways, you know, like where do you intervene and where can you help them? And do you truly understand that customer journey? Because a lot of people don't, you talked about it. They're more transaction oriented where, oh, let's just sell this or let's just sell that. And I don't think that that's effective, you know, so. Well, I think, you're, you know, a sales pitch, again, you value at every touch, right? So the yes, customer, yeah. customers, especially B2B customers these days, 
Their journey yeah. looked completely different than it did even five years ago. Oh, so what they're yeah, they're out there, they're seeking their own information. They may they're probably not going to call you until they've already almost decided, right? Yes, so what yes. are you putting out there into the world in terms of information? And a sales pitch doesn't have any value. I thought it'd be right. fun to read a few uh, uh, in mails. Okay. Uh, okay. So because this is very relevant to this. So AJS. B2B lead gen guru, USA, any sector. That would be his title. Reliable option for your sales pipeline for exclamation points. We, okay, we're going to talk about them now, apparently. Are, are, we are premier player in US lead generation with access to paid tools, links, and databases. May we help you in lead generation? Please find uh, attached samples of our lead generation work with the following features, title, CEOs, we have emails. We could try, test them, make the payments. Please advise if interested. I'm sold. I'm ready. Ah, I'm in. Wow. Uh, no value. Zero value. Let's uh, let's see what Rosie has to say. Hey, I'm reaching out to establish. I'm reaching out to establish connect and introduce our firm. Okay, I'm going to skip the ones that apparently don't really speak. They have English. bad grammar. Um, yeah, if you're not speaking English, I found one that was said. Um, that are we interested in uh, them? Uh, they're a B2B company that delivers leads. And so they wanted to know if Monfrey ACOT Marketing Communications wanted to engage them. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I said, you're the worst B2B lead thingy in the world because that company, you know, changed its name in 2003 and actually doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, so you're a horrible go away. But anyway, too many people get this wrong. A sales pitch doesn't have any value, okay? So one way you can improve your the, the way that people perceive you is look at how you sell, right? right. Uh, do customer research so that you understand their journey and their thought process and how they value things on a granular level. And, and you know what? It's not going to be just one time you're going to survey. You're going to do it over time, over and over again as things change. The better you understand that and the way that they assign value, the more you can... Uh, you know, I hate to use this word, but you, you manipulate the value of perception. Now there's a check and balance here. I don't think we didn't talk about this part. So what we're not saying is just make up a bunch of claims. No, yeah. Because if you enhance your if that Mount Blanc pen didn't deliver, <laughs> yeah. there wouldn't be a Mount Blanc company, right? You gotta deliver, yeah. right? To that value. You, know, you are so right with even with regard to the sales process which someday we really need to have one of our podcasts focus on that but even understanding the person that you're or the people that you're meeting with they all have probably different personalities they're probably all different on the myers-briggs they're probably all have a different disc profile but if you understand that maybe you can do a better job of selling to them as well but we always go, when I say we, the proverbial we, we go in thinking that everybody's the same and here's what we're going to do and we're going to pitch. And, you know, you've taught me this and this has worked well for me for many years. You, you know, you don't go in and pitch anything. You go in and listen. You go in and listen. And what are those What are those pain points? What's going on? What Understand their business. And then maybe you can offer a solution to really help them out. You know? Well, and pitching, you know, this being from the you know the, i guess the ad ad industry business you know yeah back in the day we did pitch work but we might have been pitching to kimberly clark where the upside right. was so extreme that there was enough yeah. money there 
but it's but if you really look at it looking backwards it still doesn't make sense because until you've had significant amount of time doing discovery and learning about the specifics of that company you might right. know everything there is to know about the industry you might have worked with a million companies just like them before but you still need to know the details of that company if you're pitching something essentially you're making recommendations either without knowing anything or you've just invested hours upon hours of time researching a client but not talking to them necessarily and then telling them what the answer is right out of the gate right, right. and that still goes on today and i think the biggest danger there is you might pitch the wrong thing and then they love it because exactly. then you you get the deal right and then you start doing discovery and you're like holy crap this idea is a disaster and, and, the, and the ceo is like this is it man you're like, oh, yeah. let's never do this again. Yeah. Um, RFPs. Right. You love RFPs, don't you? Oh, I absolutely do. You just save I, them like, they, you know. Like, they go right into my uh, junk mail and my email or they'll, I mean, I just, like we you talked about that hill going downhill. I think it's the same thing. I think let's let's see what we can do to reduce everything that somebody offers to the exact minimal and let's base it on price. I mean, it's as dumb, yes. it's as dumb a concept as I've ever seen, you know? Now I know some people in the construction industry have something right. called an RFQ where you go through a qualifications process. That might be a little bit more uh, That's reasonable. That's more acceptable, I think. But, because... but it still eventually comes down to the price eventually. So it's like, so what? You added an extra process. It's like, well, I don't know. They've also, so, Let's talk about this for just a few minutes because there's so many companies out there that are involved in what I call quoting culture or RFP yes. culture where they really believe in their minds that they have to do it this way because that's how the industry does it. And if exactly. I told them that, they'd be like, get out of here, Mr. Consultant Big Mouth. You don't know nothing about our business. Well, actually, I've worked with about 100 companies just like yours that thought they were stuck in that they had to do things this way. And I got news right. for you. You don't have to do anything it's your business. You can structure it the way you want. Um, there's right. also ways to disrupt that process. Uh, but, you know, if you're in that, if, if primarily you're, you're doing getting business through RFPs or putting bids in on things or doing quotes, the only thing they're evaluating you on is your price. And guess exactly. what? The price can't be low enough. The price can't be low enough. And you know what? Worse you're allowing them to set what the parameters are. And it's like, hey, wait, maybe you got a better solution. It's like, you're not even listening to what I could offer you. you that's know? like, that's like, hey, doc, I'm gonna go see my neurosurgeon. I got this terrible friggin' headache. You gotta help me, you gotta help me. I need you to chop my leg off. Yeah, And the exactly. doc's like, sure. We well, how much is it gonna be? So yeah, they, they, they self-diagnosed in detail. Boy, those RFPs like, Stupid idea number one, two, three, stupid idea number 10, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, so they have these question and answer uh, sessions sometimes, and, and yeah. sometimes you can kind of deal with that. But most of the time, look, it's a 10 to 1 ratio that you may or may not win. You're going to put in right. hundreds and hundreds of hours. And the person who helped them write the RFP is probably going to get that job. And you're just Beautiful. you're just serving a purpose. You know, we got to get three uh, bids. We got to, you know, it's yeah. possible. I just want to, you know, we, just, we don't have enough time to talk about it, but you can absolutely break out of that. And if anybody wants exactly. to break out of that, 
just reach out. Uh, we're happy to talk more about it. But um, yeah. what they're trying to do is even the playing field, right? And you don't exactly. want that. You don't want that. And I was gonna, I was gonna say, companies, in my opinion, are ridiculous to even offer the RFPs because, you know, there are so many ways to scam the system. Okay, let's come in with the lowest price where it's almost outrageous, and then what do they do? Let's let's do a change order. Let's do a change, change order. order. You, did, I didn't know you wanted. I didn't know you wanted metal with that. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know you wanted any service. You know, I mean, you could add on all day long. It's like how dumb. You know? Oh wait, you need an engine for that car? Yeah. Well, I didn't know. Um, you know, I think. I think when it comes to that, uh, there's so many ways that you can manipulate that process, and I, I think really. For, for us, when we stopped doing this 20 years ago, um, I think for us it was just really the, the amount of time put in to the amount of what we got out of it and then really starting to see how the game was kind of rigged and, and but, but that it, and I mentioned earlier, you know, if you think about, so the, the prospect wants to even the playing field, right, so that they can make right. a decision. Well, if the playing field's even and everything's the same, the only thing there is to talk about now is price. So really all you're doing is just competing on price, even though right. it might say that we're not going to choose the lowest bid. Sometimes they do that. But still, it dictates even a range, right? It's not talking about the value of the solution. They might not even have the solution, right? And so mm -hmm. we just honestly would just toss them in the trash. And I recommend you do the same thing um, and, you know, always love showing companies how they could, they could get away from that. Um, yeah. But just because your industry does, it doesn't mean that you have to. I think that's one Please. of the first things like, but if you, if you start, and I, I think most companies underestimate their true value. I mentioned earlier mm -hmm. in the podcast about you have to deliver the goods. Right. I don't think that's a huge problem for a lot of companies. I actually think that they have trouble communicating their true greatness Mm -hmm. and value to the market. It's not that the value is not there. It's just that it's really sometimes difficult to communicate. Right. And and by the way, sometimes it's the little things too. So like you might have um, one portion coming from the company or, but maybe different salespeople do different things and the value gets, it gets goofy or it gets confusing too. So that's and really important too, to be consistent. consistent can yeah. enhance the perception of value. Like, absolutely. Like McDonald's, I hate to, use them as an example. Ray Kroc's whole deal was consistency. I think it was even above quality of food. I think we can safely yeah. say now that was true. Um, but that consistency at, you know, when, when McDonald's was really in its heyday and when that whole industry was starting out, there was a reason yeah. they led, right? Because they knew they weren't in the hamburger business. They understood the value of the experience of eating out with your family, right? interesting totally different take and i i saw a documentary and and people just laughed at ray yeah <laughs> but he owned all of the land under the stores that's another thing uh yeah. so you know uh what's the value prop um yeah you know it's uh one of the, i have a couple of stories to share but let me at least share one right off the bat okay so we had one b2b service company and when customers would come in that they always had hot chocolate chip cookies in their lobby. I mean, I'm serious, you, you'd walk in and it just smelled awesome, you know, and they would just be platters and they just constantly would fill them up. And, you know, so now fast forward to like a year later, we did a customer study for them and we found out like, what was the number one thing that people thought of when they thought of this organization? It was the chocolate chip cookies, but guess what they, guess what they gave up? 
they got new carpeting, they redesigned their lobby, and they said, oh, we can't have any more food in the in the lobby. So, I mean, it, it's so personalized, it's so unique that, uh, but I just got such a chuckle out of that. It's like the chocolate chip cookies actually differentiated them from everybody else. And, and they were wow. like a lot of different people, you know, so it's, well, just, it's hilarious, you know. So I, I think people that want to say, hey, we do want to enhance our value. How do we do it? I mean, we're, let's say we're not going to, you know, we've talked about a lot of different ideas, but I think the, the one thing that every B2B company can do to provide value at every touch is to share their knowledge. Okay. We put a lot of effort into this program. This is our 11th month of doing it every Thursday. Um, And we put a lot of effort into this because we're trying to provide value. Like if we just got up here and did a half hour sales pitch, would anybody be watching at all? Uh, You know, our family, our family. I don't even think my mom would tolerate that. Um, But, we're, we're trying to share our knowledge. And if you think about it, all of our clients have enormous, very specialized knowledge in their heads. It happens to be the most important, the thing that the customer wants the most. And then some people will say, well, we're not giving that away. Right. Yeah, you are. You're going to give it away all the time, every time. Or, or maybe you meet somebody and instead of talking about yourself, you focus on them. Okay. You just right. gave, you just delivered value. Or you sent a message that said, hey, why don't you check out this webinar? I think you'll get some value from it. That's not a sales pitch, right? No. You want to share your knowledge. In fact, we have a webinar coming up. We'll put a link in the comments. It was a good segue. It's how to develop your message, right? How to get this across words and pictures. There's a method to it. We're just going to show you that method. Um, but uh, doing PR, production value, uh, <laughs> you know researching the customer experience and and that's what i think the cookie story is really about customer experience what's what's going to give them that dopamine dump right you know Um, even a a nice thank you note sending a thank you card every once in a while and i know the handwritten cards are kind of becoming a thing of the past but those mean a lot and that's that's why you should do it show show the audience so i think you designed our logo, I don't know how many years ago, probably 25, 30 years old, I should say our brand. And you know, you gave me this frame. I mean, and even through different varieties and versions of this, we've always kept it. You know, I've always kept this in my office and on the back is your, you know, your brand. So it's like Montfrey sticker. And this lasted 25 years, but, but it's those little things sometimes that goes a million, a million miles. So I think that that could be, that could be key. I've got a, a we're in, in Milwaukee country, so we're brewers people, and we usually have season tickets for the brewers. And I have some clients in Chicago, and they're like huge Cub fans. And so when the brewers play the Cubs, guess what? You know, I mean, I'm looking to try to give those tickets away to the Cub clients down in Chicago so that, because, you know, they're going to probably enjoy it more than I'm going to. Well, so, and that's a very literal way of bringing them value. And the best kind of value doesn't have a quid pro quo, right? So it's exactly. like, hey, I'm going to exactly. do this thing for you. Like, we have these networking events here in Austin. And I tell people, look, find one person and bring them value. And well, how do you do that? Well, it might be that you just listen to them, or it might be that you make an introduction, right? Right. But, but a sales pitch does not bring value talking about yourself doesn't bring value so how can you use your knowledge and package it in small bites like you know we've just been going on here for 31 minutes precisely and have we shared all of our knowledge on this topic i mean we're not even scratching the surface like so if you're worried about giving it all away trust me you can't right 
but people really do learn from it. I, I get a lot of, com- I don't know if you've gotten any comments yet, but I do get regular comments about pe- from people saying, you know, hey, this thing is really matured. It's, it's great. We, you know, they, they're really impressed by it. Um, yeah, the comments I get is it's a good thing that you've, you know, hooked up with Pete because at least oh, you've got somebody that knows what they're doing, you know. <laughs> at least somebody does. I don't know. Exactly. I don't really. Um, we have more people here, too. Uh, but, you know, but it's not easy to do this. But if, you know, again, if it was all sales pitch, if it was a commercial, right, right. We, I don't think we'd still be doing it. Um, and the funny thing about this program and I've, I've teased this before, and we just don't seem to get to it. We will get to it, but why are we doing this, right? Why? Because if you notice, I, I'm not even looking right now. Probably not very many people watching it live. People don't watch it live generally. That's not why we do it, right? Well, the reason we do it live is because it's very efficient. You get it done in one shot. There's no post-production, okay? Uh, LinkedIn's algorithm gives preference to live video, and then we take this, chop it up, and repost it, and and and, and repost it. So they're they're seeing us consistently sharing lots and lots of knowledge over time, and every every contact is value. Yeah, absolutely. And so you know that manifests itself in you know we we were fifty percent to goal this year in week two of January. That's awesome. And I I. Uh, I attribute that to the podcast because it's become sort of the main thing that we do. Um, and, and so that's why I know it's driving it. Plus people mention it. Um, and so, it, and, and also when I think I've had the worst clumsiest episode, uh, that's the ones people love the most. I just can't figure it out. But then over the long tail, which means the video is sitting there in the profile, it also goes to YouTube and it's going to Spotify and iHeartRadio and iTunes and all that. Um, they rack up views, hundreds and hundreds. And, and this video that we're making right now in the moment is going to last almost forever. So be careful what you say. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. That's why we're doing it. That's the strategy. It may not, it's not immediately obvious, right? Most clients at the 11 month mark, if they looked at how many live viewers we get, would kill this. I'm not killing it. Well, we're killing it and in, in bringing in new business. <laughs> so we're not killing the podcast. We're going to keep doing it every Thursday, 11 o'clock, right here on LinkedIn, like I like to say. Any final thoughts? I mean, I think this is a topic you know, we should revisit. I mean, there's uh, just, there's a, there's, there's and, so and much. It, could, it could be a webinar unto itself, how to enhance the perception of value. Yeah. And I, and, I think the only thing I would add um, that we can even talk about as a separate item is don't ever underestimate the power of your employees for also delivering that value because you know you like i said you could do something maybe as a ceo or the marketing person but somebody else could either help you or they could really hurt you with right. if you don't if you don't pay attention and help train them along the right. way they get know? a terrible experience with uh, your phone system happens to me yes. all the time or the person yes. that answer it doesn't even know the most basic facts about the company there's just a zillion ways to trip up but if you're not thinking in terms of perception being reality and how it impacts price elasticity, although I read an article today, is plasticity the same word as elasticity? <laughs> you're the marketing professor. I don't know. I think plasticity is the wrong word in this article. I would too. I like the it's price elasticity. Yeah. So it is a direct relationship, right? It's the difference. Definitely. 
Why, you know, I've been called old-fashioned because I don't wear a T-shirt on this program. Uh -oh. And I shave for the program. And that makes me old-fashioned because, you know, I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, and I do. I see the younger gurus out there in the videos, and I always get great value from them. And so it doesn't really matter how they look. But this is, uh, we dress out of respect for the audience. Yes. That's yes. what we're about here. Now, you know, as soon as this goes off, I have to tell you, this jacket comes off and the T-shirt goes on. But what a great topic. I mean, I think that, you know, we'll, we'll revisit it again. I do think, you know, we have this, we're going to touch on some of this stuff in the webinar. And there's a link in the comments, but we'll probably do a standalone webinar uh, just with, with, we'll rattle off, I can think of at least a dozen ways that don't cost anything, you know, exactly. really additional, but yeah. that you just like reframe your language, for example. Right. I mean, so there's some very basic things. So I can't wait to, to, to share that with the audience. But um, good to see you, man. I think, uh, you know, you. You as well. people learned hopefully about smelt. Am I saying it right or is it schmelt? No, no, it is smelt. But it's uh, smelt. a lot of that's like you said on Lake Michigan. But, you know, you could go inland on some piers and it could be trout. It could be, you know, it could be. Really? Perch, and, you know, one last thing talking about. Do they value. cook them right they, there? Like they're pulling a trout oh, out and like cooking oh, it right absolutely. there. Absolutely. Or on the shore. I mean, or on the wow. shore um, with more of the inland lakes. But but one of the things that let's talk about the difference of value based on where you live geography. OK, so sure. Like up here, up here perch, walleye, you know, trout, those are what we love for, for fish, you know, or usually we have a fish fry on Friday, which you know about. Um, but it's like my parents, my parents and my siblings have lived in Houston for, you know, over 45 years. Um, they go out for catfish and I can't, oh, God, you know, like up here, if somebody said we're going to get catfish, we'd make fun of them versus down there. It's like catfish is kind of, isn't that the- I love catfish. I was just going to say, so it just it just depends on where you are and the value. It's a southern thing. Well, even, a you know, I think a, 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 I've seen this many places before, definitely not taking credit for this analogy, but the price of water, bottled yes. water, if you yes. buy it at the grocery store versus you buy it at the convenience store, it's a little higher. You buy it at the ball game, it's even higher. You buy it at a Michelin restaurant, it's even higher, right? Yes. It is the exact same thing. Exactly. What's the difference? Well, in, in this case, the value driver would be either convenience or the experience. So as you get into the higher end realm of, of let's say, Michelin star restaurants, they're probably going to have very fancy water, but still yeah. water. And by the way, it's probably just coming out of the sink in the back. Um, <laughs> but it's 35 bucks and you'll pay it because it's part of the experience. So you look at the value in, in our music shows. We do a couple things. We we limit the number of tickets. We space the shows out so that they're not so that there's a limited supply. We always do our best to deliver a really entertaining show, but we understand that it isn't us and our music that is the whole value prop. It's the entire experience that they have. Mm -hmm. It's the way we dress. It's the sound quality. It's the venue itself. We play in this amazing old roadhouse down here in Texas, the real thing. Um, and, you know, it's an experience. And that's, that's also why we, our ticket price is much, much higher than the mean average here in, 
America's most competitive music city. Mm -hmm. They like to say we're the music capital of the world, but the musicians say we're the tip jar capital of the world. <laughs> Not if you charge more, yes. people. Get your yeah. perception up. You've been listening to the B2B Marketing Mindset with Pete Monfrey and Bill Lowell. Add to the conversation by commenting, sharing, and liking. And don't forget to subscribe and check out the links in the comments. Learn more at b2bmarketingmindset.com.